teachers are leaders. And we're here to emphasize the good in education, one practice, method, idea, or trend at a time. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Teachers Are Leaders podcast brought to you by the Warren Instructional Network, and I'm your host, Andrea Coachman. Today, I I say this every time I'm on here, but I am extra, extra, extra excited about our guest today. I am here with Penny Kittle. Thank you, Penny, for being here. Well, thank you. That's nice of you to say, but I'm extra excited to talk to you. Oh, well, thank you. Um, Before we jump in, so if you are from the secondary world, like I am, Penny Kittle is a a recognizable name for sure. I mean, books that you have authored or co-authored, so Book Love, right beside them, you and Kelly Gallagher with 180 Days and Four Essential Studies, and then your newest text that came out just in November, so two, a month, a month ago the micro mentor text. So yes. all books that are, I mean, in my living room, on my shelf, that still even out of the classroom and out of a district still are books that I reference today. So uh, thank you for that work. <laughs> oh, thank you for saying that. You know, when you're sitting here at your desk and you're alone with a document open on my desktop right now that I have to finish an article, you feel like nothing you write makes very good sense. And that the, you know, I think of teachers as a super um, intelligent, wise, high intensity group of people. And so I always want my writing to somehow speak to them, but it feels like it won't. So I appreciate you saying that it did because I never have that much confidence. You know, when I sat right beside the mop, which was my first big book, I was absolutely terrified. I mean, I kept wanting to grab it back and say, no, 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 I didn't get that right. I got to redo this. And I think any of us who've written, because that came out in 2008, will go back to our early work and be like, oh, I could write that better. Oh, God. So you have to let that go. You just have to let it go, do its work in the world. Yeah. Well, I love that because I think. You know, we talk about working with students and getting students to write and to be writers and you are, you're living that. I mean, you're doing it. And so to hear you say that, you know, you are are unsure, not as confident, it doesn't come off that way. I mean, the books are, they are conversational, easy to read. Like it's, it's, I'm sitting there reading them and I'm like, oh my God, yes, Penny is speaking to me. Like, (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you. Well, and then that's not even to mention, I mean, you know, your work with the Book Love Foundation. So, you know, Mm -hmm. the idea of putting books in the hands of teenagers, I could not be more in love with that and the work that you guys are doing. It is fabulous. You know, it's our 10th anniversary this year. And in that 10 years, we've raised over a million dollars. And we have put um, libraries that teachers choose in 400 classrooms um, between the United States and Canada. And I have had the privilege of meeting so many of our grant recipients and then visiting a few classrooms. I'm hoping to do more of that this year where you can just feel the difference that a rich classroom library makes in the instruction start to end for those teachers. And 
I'm grateful for their passion and their willingness to some of them apply two or three times because we have a whole team of readers and I don't read all the applications. I couldn't, and I can't recommend someone I know. Right. So it becomes this, you know, a pair of readers really wrestle with who becomes a finalist. And um, it's, I am so grateful to the board and the people that have agreed to work for nothing because we give away 100% of our donations. We don't make money. And then the Summer Book Club has just become this like incredible force of more than a thousand teachers in the summer and the books and the conversations and the resources that grant recipients put together for each one of the books. I think we had 45 speakers last summer. Wow. It's just it's what teachers will do for each other. It's amazing. Yes, it is. I mean, you're right. The teacher community is just, I mean, next mm. to no other, you know, field. I mean, just the work that, uh, the work and the time that teachers put into, you know, in an attempt to better their craft and to reach the students that they have in front of them. It really is powerful. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then you, so this, will be or was or is your 39th year in education oh so I, I turned in um final grades monday and that completed the 39th year because i just work in the fall now so um i teach two classes at a university in writing their first year composition students and that um keeps me so engaged in how hard this work is. I mean, it doesn't, it isn't that it's super easy in year 39. No. It is inspiring. And I'm in love with planning and thinking and adjusting instruction as I meet the kids. Um, all of it. I love everything about teaching. But I also need uh, time to do the other work that I do, which is travel and and meet teachers in schools and work conferences. So I only teach in the fall. Nice. Well, I think that's awesome that you've been able to continue doing both. I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's hard. I can't even imagine with all of the requirements and the things that come into planning a book, writing a book, executing them, the mm -hmm. publishing of the book, and then all of the other things that come with it to still maintain that I am going to teach in a classroom. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Well, that's the best part, of course. And then the more you teach, the more you have to say, right? Oh, I thought I had this figured out and it's all different. When I had to teach online, I mean, there's not a teacher on this podcast who doesn't know that feeling of, I am not good at this. Oh. <laughs> and I am doing everything I can imagine that could make this work, but it is... Wow. And then to come back last year, everyone masked in this tiny room and the kids were very um, just they hadn't been around each other in a long time. So they were quieter and a little more afraid. Um, this last fall that I just finished, uh, it felt like we were back really in a classroom the way we had been in the past. I keep saying we it finally feels like we're getting back to our old normal yeah. you know everybody together and working and talking and writing and reading and just being in but you know what is harder it feels like yes the kids are back but 41 kids and only three had books in their house that they wanted to read during the lockdown 
So I have more students who experienced a year or more of not reading at all. They were on their phones. They may be reading videos. And I you know, truly believe in, Mar in uh, Marianne Wolf's biliterate brain, right? There's different kinds of reading, but the sustained engagement with a text across hundreds of pages was absent. And when that happens, my students have lost the understanding that your heart rate slows after six minutes of reading, that there's peace in separating from your phone and reading a book that compels you. And, you know, the, the joy is now at the end of the semester, they turn in a notebook tour where they reflect on what they've learned. And kid after kid says, I had forgotten how much I love reading. And now I'm reading again. Well, I don't know how long it will be sustained because the world is a very busy, distracting place. For sure. But we've got to at least make it happen while we have the students. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And I mean, that, you know, it's something that a skill and a privilege, you know, whatever it is that you don't, it doesn't leave mm -hmm. you when you, you know, graduate from high school or from college or whatever. It's definitely something, you know, that even, even now, I mean, it's nice to have a book that, I'm just reading and I have my whatever 10 minutes to myself where I'm just engaged in my book. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing like it. I know. Okay. Well, thinking through, which is, I feel like this is hard. This is the hardest question um, I ask, I think, or people say that mm. in your experience, your 39 years in a classroom, can you pinpoint a favorite memory? <laughs> um, do, can I have uh, uh, one a week for all 39 years? Hey, Let's see, I'm, how long do we I'm have here today? Yes. <laughs> um, you know, there's, it's impossible, but I can say that um, my favorite moments happen when a student, something dawns on the student, when you're in the moment of them realizing something that's really important. It could be, um, I'll give you one example. This fall, I had a student who our first assignment is um, a memoir, essay, nonfiction, personal. And he wanted to write about his sister, but he just couldn't get going. And he was frustrated. And I said, um, so talk to me about what, what is it you want to say about her? And he, it wasn't going anywhere. And I finally said, well, what's coming up in your life that matters right now? Maybe this isn't the right subject. And he goes, well, actually, my sister's getting married in two weeks. And I said, what? And he goes, and I have to speak at the wedding. And I go, what? Oh. I go, right. That's what you should write. Write your speech. That will hold the memories. But spend your time on that. And you can just see his eyes like go bing. And he said, oh, you could tell it was like two birds with one stone kind of thinking in his mind. But I was like, this is going to be the best writing he does because what better audience, right? Yes. So I love those moments because the truth is he had a draft next class. He was purposeful and intentional in his revisions. And then of course, when he came back after the wedding and I said, oh my God, how did it go? And he said, um, well, I only read like two paragraphs of it. I just couldn't, it was all I could do. And I said, that's no problem. I said, what are you doing with the whole of it? And he said, I'm going to do what you said. I'm going to roll it up, put a ribbon on it and stick it under the tree. Aww. And I was like, right, that's that thing. When writing is bigger than a skill and a tool, when it creates bonds between kids, between siblings, um, for families. So I always think of the best moments are 
when we make what we're trying to convince students is important, somehow make that inroad where they know it's important. Uh, well, what happens? Just, You're just, I just game over. To, yes, it is game over. Like done. My work. My work here is done. I can leave. I know. Uh, that is awesome. Well, and how amazing for that student to then take that authentic piece of writing. I know. And be able to give it to a sister, and that is something for sure that she will cherish for the rest of her life. Oh. Oh, for sure. And the whole idea that the skills that we want to teach kids in memoir, like scenes or in, you know, argument, like having, you know, evidence that supports your thinking, those can all be driven by this personal passion of the child, but finding it can be hard. It's hard for all of us. You right. know, the, the open document right behind the screen, <laughs> I'm struggling to put into words what I'm trying to say. And the fact that every single day in my class, I'm with my notebook under the dot camera, trying to make sense like they are. It just creates this kind of shared responsibility to words and to ideas and to work that would be absent if I were just handing out assignments and grading them, right? Yeah, absolutely. It would be very, very disconnected. Yeah. Mm. Well, thinking, I mean, hearing that and knowing the work that you do, I mean, obviously holding your books in my hand, but then you still being in a classroom and hearing you talk about that student, um, it is very clear that you are very passionate about what you do mm -hmm. and in, in your writing and getting students to write. And, you know, just like you said, trying to make that connection between the skills and the task to that bigger picture of why it is so important to be a writer. But so can you just, I mean, and I don't know the direction that this would go, but just kind of talk about how you, how you got to this passion, why you are passionate about writing and, and you know, kind of what, what does that mean for, for everybody else? What are, what do we need to do with, with writing or for writing? That's so broad. <laughs> yeah, no, I was, I was just like trying to trace back because um, I started teaching in grade three in California. And as a first year teacher who um, was on a year round schedule, I could redo my plans every three weeks, six weeks, nine weeks, depending on the, you know, but we got these long breaks and I had been trained in what was called language experience reading, which is where you had kids create class books so that they read those, they had more success reading those. Um, but they were also writing for this very real audience of the other kids. And so I was writing a page for the class book and I did that work as kind of like my contribution to the modeling of a writing life. And I wrote in my own notebook since I was in sixth grade, but not for any real purpose. And then um, probably the biggest shift for me was um, I had gone to work at a university and was working with elementary methods kids and um, supervising their teaching in Michigan and came to here in New Hampshire and was assigned eighth grade and then moved to ninth grade so that I could be a literacy coach and teach just one class. And in both of those cases, I just realized how much my students needed from me to show them what I was doing as a writer, not just to be another person who wrote another editorial, like the, you know, I wrote one in my eighth grade class, but I did all the work at home and brought in my best draft mm. and 
I knew that was unsustainable, number one. I couldn't create best drafts of everything we were writing. It just was not going to happen. But I also knew that I was hiding all of the most important parts. How did I come up with my idea? How did I decide this organization? How did I, and if I wasn't modeling how to do those things, it's why my students were stuck. Mm -hmm. And so um, I really, the first two books I wrote, which are collections of essays, all of the essays in there were written for my ninth graders because I was trying to teach them how to write ninth, how to write essays. So if I'm going to write an essay that is an argument, I'm going to use this story of my friend's daughter dying um, in an accident with a drunk driver. And then I'm going to show you how do I condense that down to this, you know, so that it can drive an argument. It's not the story, it's the argument. And I just realized in writing both of those, um, this huge collection of essays that became two books, that that was the heart of what I needed to be a better teacher. It was always about how do I get these kids to write better? But the secret was I had to show them what writers do and the understanding that I wasn't supposed to become a model of writing as in my finished drafts. I only needed to model the process. So I didn't have to finish them. I didn't have to take an essay all the way to, you know, finish draft and get it published. I could simply model today. This is what I'm working on. And I want to think about with you that um, changed everything. That's why I wrote right beside them. You're going to write next to them, with them, and it's going to change what you understand about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is, I mean, that idea of of modeling the process, I think it's a little scary at times for a teacher because it mm-hmm. makes you vulnerable, right? Like I'm, I'm putting myself out there and I'm showing my students how I write and the idea that it is the process and that they need to create those mental models, you know, just like we have done. And, you know, so it, it can be scary for sure. But I think that's why, you know, the, the books that you, the right beside them. And then, I mean, I don't think obsessed might, is not, um, it doesn't do justice to how I feel about 180 days for essential studies. Uh, but I feel like those are like the workbooks to help teachers do these things, but to have, you know, ideas and strategies and ways and what, you know, what has worked for you and what works for Kelly and how to bring it together. Yeah. And, you know, having a collaborator is so critical. I had Don Graves um, early, early in my career as a co-author and then um, with Tom Newkirk and trying to put his work together, Graves' work. But with Kelly, it was entirely different because we were both teaching the same grade at the same time to write 180 days and our kids were connected across the country. So it was like this two year intense partnership of not only naming what we were doing, but figuring out how we could share that with anyone. Um, And I still learn from watching the videos of us conferring with kids and um, all of the, the work that was put into that. But I think that what teachers need are companions in teaching that will be, you know, the ones that they discuss the the thorny issues of planning and reaching kids and then all of the questions that result, you know, what are we gonna do about assessment? And what does assessment mean? And what are we gonna do about competency-based teaching? What does that look like when the kid meets the competencies in the first week? And so I think that, you know, the answers are always at the ground level in teaching. But teachers are not often called upon to share those. We're told what to do so much of the time. And I think that 
the only way to to actually navigate those two realities is to find your people and you spend time together and you wrestle with things together and you choose to read books together because somebody's written a book about something that you don't know a lot about and you want to know yes. more. So all of it matters, but um, otherwise the work is just labor and we get very tired, yeah. right? It's inspiring when you're finding answers mm -hmm. together. Oh, yes. So what I hear you saying is find your people who are your yeah. people who you're like-minded. And, you know, the nice thing about where we are now is that doesn't have to be, it obviously would be great if it's somebody next to you, you know, in the classroom beside yeah. you or across yeah. the hall, but it can be bigger than that. I mean, there are, you know, Facebook communities and the Twitter universe and, you know, all many other yeah. avenues where people can come together like-minded individuals trying to do the same thing can come together and have those conversations. Um, so find your people, mm -hmm. model the work that we're doing, and then yeah. put books in kids' hands. It's so tr true. And, you know, I just want to say one um, piece that everyone is struggling with time, oh, right? Wow. And, and my students this fall said, gosh, I don't know why I couldn't have had more choices in high school and what I read, but, but I know teachers have a lot of curriculum. I mean, they're very understanding of the burdens that are yeah. on us, mm -hmm. but I think that we have to have the courage to say, this isn't working for my students and I'm not going to do it. And part of the reason I say that is because um, oftentimes I have so rarely worked for someone as a leader that was a literacy person. And so they think the shiny packaging and the promises in some curriculum are the answer instead of asking us, what is it that I need to do to support you? And when I'm in buildings where the leaders ask the English people, what is it that you wish your students could do more of, or what do you need? Those rooms are filled with book clubs and teachers sharing things. And I just truly believe nobody knows the work like we do. And if we can't find ways to um, do the work that we know is most important, you know, sometimes I walked into my principal's office and said, between you and I, this is the pilot I'm going to try. This is what I believe is important. And I want your support to not do what everyone else in grade 10 is doing, because these are the reasons. And I always got support for that. So I just, you know, I want people to have courage to try the things that they know are important. Um, our kids are not the same. There's lots of reasons that we should be innovating. Sure. And, um, you know, like if I had a TikTok account, which I don't, <laughs> I'm sure I'd be learning all kinds of things about why my students are so obsessed with it. Right. They send me, here's the best book talk on TikTok. And I'll be like, that's pretty good. <laughs> but I... Um, I think, you know, digital composition, that's the name of my course at the university now. And so everything that we learned about composition, we wrote scripts for documentaries. We, you know, everything was about how do we enter this digital world as readers and writers and thinkers and creators? And then what do we learn as we do that? So I wouldn't have been teaching this course 10 years ago. I was experimenting wow. with digital, but, you know, just to keep moving and thinking and growing as people. Wow. Can I um, audit your class virtually? Is that <laughs> you probably can't because they don't want any more old people in there. 
They're like, bring in these, bring in these youngins. Let's do this. That's right. <laughs> That's amazing. That's right. That sounds amazing. Oh, it's so great. Oh my gosh. I was just actually, before I got on here, watching a documentary from a kid on the Volvo engine, whatever the name of the engine is, and his joy in all the details and the way he put footage together. And you're like, man, all the skills. My, my, one of my first mentors, Donald Murray said that you know, the moves we make as writers, they cross all genres. It's <gasps> the same stuff. We're blending, thinking, create, you know, all of these moves. And if we could just suspend our need to make everything look one way. Mm -hmm. Yes. We don't need the uniform five paragraph essay or. Yeah, no, it, it has no currency. It's only this limited value. You know, it's expiration date is the end of the standardized test. And yes. um, we need stuff that lasts. Yes, we do. Oh, well, I have all the goosebumps now. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> it's a thrill to talk to you. <laughs> but it does. I mean, I think, you know, hearing you, hearing you speak and reading the work that you do is just, it is, it's, it's encouraging and it's inspiring. And I think, you know, being, being in a classroom, I remember the struggles, but also like when you find somebody that is speaking mm -hmm. your language and doing the work that you want to do it's it's so helpful and it's such a a tool to have to then feel like you can have the courage to say no I can do this it is this is a thing it's not just me it's it's a movement and it's what we need to be doing it's what's best it's what's best for for my kids for our kids and so you know thank you thanks for taking the time to come talk to me mm -hmm. and to share and and keep writing. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> Wait, I got to give you one last nugget I thought of. Please. Best moment in my teaching career. Okay. This fall, I got to teach beside my daughter, Hannah Kittle, who teaches grade five in <laughs> Chelsea, Mass, in order to film for the new book, Micrometer Text. And I just can't say as a mom, teaching beside your daughter, who's teaching fifth grade and get to watch her brilliance priceless oh that is amazing well and also I think just you know continues to speak volume for the work that you do I mean she she obviously was inspired by you and the work that you've done and then to want to do that and to feel like you know that she can that she she has the tools and that she's getting out there that is oh that's truly amazing I love that it was it was cool yes. yeah that definitely needs to be a most important <laughs> most important moment <laughs> in the yep. field <laughs> it was it was oh, I love that well I did want to mention if um so your website I mean pennykittle.net you yes. have so many I mean there's videos there's resources the list of all of your books the a link to the book love foundation can all be found on your site is there and then on twitter you are at penny kittle right yep and Instagram, and we have booklovefoundation.org, which is all the info. And right now, applications are open for 2023. So if people want to fill their classroom with books, they want. Oh my gosh. Why? Yes, let's do it. Let's keep the, keep the books coming. <laughs> I love right. it. Keep that book love going. Yes. Oh, well, thank again. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing. And 
just just hanging out with me for a little while. It was lovely. Thanks, Penny. All right. Bye. Bye.